God, thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together this morning. God, there's just something, something special, something unique about gathering together as the body of Christ to, to worship and to dive into your word. And so, God, we, we are here to hear from you this morning. God, I just pray, as we did earlier, that you would speak through me once again, that the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God. We are here to hear from you and here to meet with you. And would we leave this space this morning knowing that we have met with the one true God? And will we leave just changed and shaped by what we read in Scripture this morning? God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in week 12, uh, if you can believe it, week 12 of our journey through the Word of God in this series that is just called The Word of God, uh, and uh, we've been on quite a journey. I've actually really enjoyed this kind of walk through Scripture. I hope you have as well. Uh, it's just been kind of fun to just kind of go through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, you know, we've really, over the course of this series, kind of seen two, two movements that we've kind of gone through, and we're kind of in the middle of the second one still because it's a long one. Uh, but we have this first movement from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, this perfect creation that God has made, to point B, which is this, this Genesis 3, sin enters the picture. And really, you go all the way through Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel, and you kind of have this point B that we are at. In Genesis chapter 6, Verse 6, God says he regrets making human beings. Like, that's how far we go in six chapters. We go from point A to point B. Right? But this other movement that we've seen has been from point B, this kind of brokenness of Genesis chapter 3 through 11, to the fulfillment of this promise that God has made that we see, and we actually do get back to point A in Revelation chapter 22. Right? In Revelation 22, the very end of the book, what we see is that everything is restored. The way it was supposed to be is the way that it is. Jesus is with his people. God is with his people once again. And so we have been on this journey from point B back to point A. Along the way, we've seen kind of the promises to Abraham that he would have, a, that his descendants would have land. These Israelites would have the promised land. We see Moses bringing out the people out of Egypt. We see, uh, you know, the kingdom of God established. We see this fact that God just wants to be with his people. That is the overarching theme of, of Scripture. You could make a case that God just wants to be with his people. And from the very beginning, when sin came into the picture and he couldn't be with his people anymore, he's been fighting and pushing to be with his people once again. And he gets there in Revelation 22. We know that. Last couple of weeks, we've been in the New Testament. As we got into Holy Week, we saw Palm Sunday, uh, Jesus coming into Jerusalem and being crowned as king. Last Sunday, we see the resurrection. Resurrection Sunday as Jesus has, has not just died on the cross for our sins, but he has risen once again from the grave. He has defeated sin and defeated death uh, that we might, this is the whole purpose of this whole thing, that we might be once again with God for eternity. Right, this is this is kind of where where we left off, if you remember. But you know, you know, really through the back half of the Old Testament, uh, what we've seen is that the people of God aren't always up to the task. You know, we 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 talked about this this covenant a while ago, this covenant that God made that you will be my people if you obey my commandments. Right? We see in the back half of the Old Testament that 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 God that the people of God aren't always really great at being the people of God. They leave and they go to other places and they go and serve other gods and, and, and God really for the, for the last while of the Old Testament is not actually with his people anymore. 
But even, even when the people are in exile, what we see is God sending prophets to the people to say, like, come back. Come back, calling his people back to himself. Why? Because he wants to be with his people. Right? And we, this is what we see. We see that God just wants to be with his people. And then we have Jesus, God in the flesh. He comes and he is once again with his people. So we go from God being with his people to God sort of like leaving, letting his presence leave these people because they're not obeying the covenant. And now we have Jesus, God in the flesh. He is with his people, physically with his people. And he comes and he lives this life that we couldn't live. He dies the death that we deserve to die so that we might be with God forever. Right, even just the name that is given to Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right, this, is the whole, this is the whole point. But then, towards the end of the Gospels and into the book of Acts, Jesus, after he's resurrected, we saw last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he appears to the disciples and more than 500 other people. But he doesn't stay. Right? Jesus doesn't stay here. We see in three different accounts, in Mark and Luke and Acts, that Jesus is, is taken up to heaven once again. And so this is a, a valid time for you to say, Pastor Chris, well, you've just been talking about how all God wants to do is to be with his people. And now God came down and he was with his people. He made the sacrifice that needed to be made so we could be with his people. Why in the world is he leaving? That's a valid question at this point. So as we talk about the presence of God, it's a valid question. Why would God once again leave his people? And I would answer it in this way. Yes, Jesus left, but the presence of God was never gone. The presence of God never left the people of God. In fact, as we're going to see this morning, the presence of God becomes even more personal than just a flesh and blood Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to kind of continue this, this talk that we started in March about God's presence here on the earth and God just wanting to be with his people uh, because he does so through the Holy Spirit. As we read the rest of the New Testament over the coming weeks, we, we need to understand the Holy Spirit and how he moves in and through the people of God as they embark on this mission that Jesus has given them. And if you are curious about the mission that Jesus has given them, we call it the Great Commission, and we're going to spend a night talking about it at Secret Church. I invite you to come uh, to Secret Church. This is plug for Secret Church there. Uh, but I want to talk this morning about the Holy Spirit. And I guess the first question that we need to really answer is, who's the Holy Spirit? Right, who is the Holy Spirit? And really what we know about the Holy Spirit actually comes straight from Jesus. Right, Jesus is the one who tells us about the Holy Spirit, about what he's coming to do and who he's coming to be. This, we, uh, we get all we need to know about the Holy Spirit from the mouth of Jesus. Now, we've had a couple of passages I want to read with you this morning in the book of John. One is in John chapter 14. One is in John chapter 16. Uh, we'll get to the book of Acts as well. Uh, but if you want to join me, John chapter 14 is where we're going to start. Uh, John chapter 14, starting at verse 15, says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Sorry, I read too far, but he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All right. So then we go, we skip ahead a little bit to verse 25. It says, all this I have spoken while still with you. 
But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Just turn the page of chapter 16 here. And again, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, starting in verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to me in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus, we have these three different, three different passages. Again, these are in red letters in my Bible. These are straight from the word, straight from the mouth of Jesus. Who is Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit is? Well, we have this, this word, this name that he gives him. Uh, my version, the NIV version, says the advocate. Some other versions might say helper or comforter or companion. Uh, all of those words are really from the same word. In the Greek, it's called paraclete. Uh, paraclete is a word that's built out of two words, para, which means close or very close. If you're talking about a relationship and you were close, you would say para. It's a para relationship, Right. This other word, cleat, comes from the root word kaleo, which means to be called. Right? When the disciples talk about their calling, they are talking this, this word. When, when Paul says he was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, this is the word that he used, kaleo. And so you put these two words together, and you have a really beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit is. He is someone who is called close by. He is some, someone who is called close by. He is called nearby to us. Right? And there's this, this other word there in the very first passage that we read. Jesus says, I will send you another advocate. That word another there is an interesting word because it's not just another. It is the word alas, which means one of the same. I will send you another. It will be the same advocate. And I want you to think about this. The disciples at this point have been with Jesus for a few years. Jesus has been their guide. He has been their comforter. He has been their helper. He has done all of these things. And Jesus telling his disciples, there is another one of me coming. There's another one of me coming. There is another me that is coming. He is going to do those things. And we wonder why. Just, just four verses earlier in John chapter 14, Jesus says that we are going to do, his disciples and us, are, we are going to do even greater things than Jesus did. Because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, and this, this changes things. Again, the presence of God is not gone. Right? We go from Genesis with, with God being with Adam and Eve in the garden to Exodus with God being with his people and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire to really the, as the people are going to the promised land, God is with his people in the tent of meeting. As they inherit the promised land, God is with his people in the temple. Right? And then Jesus comes and God is with his people in Jesus and now Jesus is gone, but God is still with his people in the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. God is, God is still present with his people, and he is present through the Holy Spirit. You know, there's another passage about the Holy Spirit that I want to read to you and with you. It's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 4 is where we're going to start. And we read just, just a little bit more about the Holy Spirit, once again, from the mouth of Jesus. Here's what we read. Verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember this, this question here. Remember, remember what they were expecting Jesus to do when, they, when he rode into the city on Palm Sunday. What were they expecting? They were expecting him to be victorious over this, this government. They were expecting him to establish a brand new kingdom. And now Jesus has died. He has come back from the dead. He is meeting with them, and they are still asking the same question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He keeps going. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So we see this passage and Jesus says this phrase, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the presence of God is with you, and as in John chapter 14, it says he will be in you. When the presence of God is in you, you will receive power. I want to just just focus on that part this morning. You will receive power. This is Jesus, again, his last words to his disciples in the book of Acts. He leaves right after this. You'll receive power, and you'll be my witnesses, and then he's gone. These are the very last words that he says, you will receive power. I want to talk about this morning about the power that the disciples received, but also the power that we receive when we accept Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just the disciples who have this power. This is all of us who have said yes to Jesus. We have received the Holy Spirit and this power is in us as well. I mean, we keep reading and we see that the the disciples are empowered to walk in the will of God. And so are we. We are empowered to walk in the will of God. Right? We see in John chapter 14, uh, that, that passage that we read earlier, in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. He's going to remind them of everything that Jesus has said to them. Remember, they have spent years following Jesus here. They have spent years following him and listening to him teach. And, and Jesus is saying, look, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to continually remind you of everything that I have taught, everything that I have said to you. He will remind you of this. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He is a guide that is going to lead us in the will of God. See, he does this for his disciples. They go and they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He does it for us as well. He guides us and he empowers us to walk in his will. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for us to live the way that God is calling us to live without the Holy Spirit. 
It's impossible for us to live the way that God is calling us to live without the Holy Spirit. I mean, as we see in the New Testament, as we will see in the New Testament, there are letters to the churches who, who are trying. They're trying to kind of do things on their own. They're trying to do things their own way in some places. They're trying to, to kind of make things work. They're trying to follow God and follow the culture. They're trying to follow God and kind of do their own thing so they can still fit in. They're trying to have it both ways, but they, they can't. They can't follow God and do the things that God is calling them to do without the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You get to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5, says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So how do we walk in the will of God? How do we live the life that God is calling us to do? We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to have the Holy Spirit come in us and move in and through us. You get to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. And here's what we read in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. So I will say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. All right, there's, there's always kind of this spiritual battle in our lives between walking in the way of God and having the Spirit guide and direct us and not. There's always going to be this spiritual battle. But again, we can't walk in the will of God. We can't walk in the way of God without the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's the thing. When we do end up walking with the Spirit, when we follow his lead and his direction in our lives, what happens is that our lives begin to look different. I mean, even just later on in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul talks about the fruit that we see in our lives as we live by the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience in most other translations, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, our life looks different when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. When the presence of God is in us, our lives look different. We are empowered to walk in the way that God is calling us to walk when we have the Holy Spirit in us. Here's the second thing, that the second way that the Spirit empowers our lives. The Spirit, as we have the Spirit in our lives, it enables us and empowers us to share the gospel and to do it boldly. To share the gospel and to do it boldly. You just look in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit comes on the disciples and those who are there, the very first thing that Peter does is he gets up and he begins to preach. He begins to share the gospel Right, you, you look in Acts chapter 4, and in Acts chapter 4, there are people in the church who are praying. And as they pray, uh, it says that the, they, they receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. 
After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And look what happens next. They spoke the word of God boldly. Right? They received the Spirit, and what happens next is that they are able to just speak the word of God boldly. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we were in 1 Corinthians a lot last week as we talked about Paul and his, his thoughts on resurrection. As you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I think Paul understands that this is part of his story as well. Right, First Corinthians chapter two, starting at verse one. What was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you? I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I want you to hear that this morning. As, as Paul is saying, look, I came to you and I, I, I came in weakness. But when I was preaching, when I was sharing this message, I didn't do so on my own power. I did so with, as a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. Paul's saying, look, I don't come to you with a ton of wisdom. I don't speak eloquently. I'm not a Shakespearean poet by any means. Right? But what I do, I, when I speak to you, I speak to you in the Spirit's power. This could very well be my story as well. I don't know if you, you know this about me. I think I may have shared this before. I really don't like talking in front of people. I really don't. You wouldn't know that, right? I do it I do this every weekend. I'm here and I preach and I'm able to do this, but I really don't like it. In fact, in, when I was in college, I took a communications class and it was one of the communications class where you had to just give up and give a speech. And I remember picking the easiest thing that I could ever do. I think it was even something that I had already done in high school, just so I could like know it. Uh, and then when I got up, to pre- got up to speak, I was just so nervous. I didn't want to say anything that would just embarrass me or do it. I was just so nervous. I get nervous to talk in front of people. But here's what I know. I know the Holy Spirit is alive and active and well, especially in my own life, because I can get up here every single weekend and share the gospel and do so boldly. The Holy Spirit is alive and it is active in my own life. I I, I am not... uh, yeah, I just, I know that about I me. Mean, my story is similar to Paul's story in that way. And in fact, in, in high school, I was kind of just the, the quiet kid, right? My basketball team would be like, you need to talk more. Like, the only time we hear you talk is when you want the ball. Like, you need to, you need to talk other than, like, pass it to me. You know, like, you need to, you need to talk. You know, this is just me. But I know the Holy Spirit is real because I can, I can stand up here and I can preach the word of God and I can do so boldly. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit empowering us to share the gospel and to do it boldly is not just a pastor thing. This is meant for everybody, every believer, every, everyone who has received the Holy Spirit, everyone who has said yes to Jesus. This is something we're all supposed to be doing. In fact, in the book of Acts, there's a man named Stephen. Uh, Stephen is uh, just a great man in the book of Acts. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 6 and 7, that's where Stephen's story is. We'll be there for a little bit. But in Acts chapter 6, we, we are introduced to Stephen in Acts chapter 6. In fact, we don't, uh, Stephen is not a pastor. He was not one of the disciples. Uh, we don't know, Stephen is not in the Gospels. Uh, Stephen, we meet Stephen in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. It says he is a man that is full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, here's, let me read it for you. Acts chapter 6, verse 5 is where this is. Acts chapter 6, verse 5. 
they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're introduced to Stephen. Stephen is put in charge of making sure that the widows get their fair distribution of food. That is Stephen's role in, in this faith family, the early church. This is Stephen's role. Stephen is a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is able to proclaim the word boldly. He is able to proclaim the gospel, and he's able to do so boldly. Stephen uh, is able to, Stephen kind of gets in some arguments here with some people, and what happens is these people end up taking him to the Sanhedrin, which is basically uh, the Supreme Court of ancient Israel, right? They take Stephen to the Sanhedrin, they accuse him of some things, and, and they basically bring him in, and in chapter 7, what we see is the Sanhedrin basically being like, Stephen, what do you say about these things? And Stephen in Acts chapter 7, basically, and I'm not even exaggerating here, he basically preaches this whole series that we have been doing right now in one chapter. He starts with Abraham being promised descendants and land. He goes through Moses being born and Moses leading the people out of Egypt. He goes through literally everything that we have been through in this whole series. Uh, He basically does it in one chapter. He preaches the gospel. He tells them the whole story of the gospel. Right? He starts with Abraham. He goes through the descendants of Abraham being led out. He talks about Moses. He talks about the covenant. He talks about the temple being built and the presence of God being there. And then what he does is he calls them out for rejecting Jesus and not obeying the law that they say they are obeying. And what happens as, as, as he shares this story, as he shares the gospel, And as he calls them out, here's what happens in chapter 7, verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, again, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears. And yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. That last line is very interesting uh, because Saul is the man we now know as Paul. Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, was there when Stephen was stoned to death because of preaching the gospel boldly. He basically tells the whole entire story of Scripture that we have been talking about in chapter 7 and then is stoned for it. But he does so, and he does so boldly. He's, he's standing in front of the Supreme Court, and he was given the boldness to share the gospel when he lost his life for it. See, it's not just pastors who are called to share the gospel. This is for every person who has said yes to Jesus. And see, the thing, we don't do so under our own power. We do so because we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is why and how we are able to share the gospel. See, this is, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when the people of God receive the presence of God. We are able to walk in the will of God, and we're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to do so boldly. See, the presence of God has not left. The presence of God is still here. The presence of God is here with us right now. The presence of God is in you if you have said yes to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The presence of God is still here. But here's, here's how I would encourage you today. I would encourage you today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Think this week about the Holy Spirit's role in your own life. How have you seen the Holy Spirit move in your own life? How have you seen the power of the Spirit in your own life? Have you seen it at all? And if not, I would just say, ask for it. <laughs> Look for it. Ask God to show you where the Holy Spirit is alive and active in your own life. Because if you have said yes to Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. Now here's how I'd encourage you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Live empowered by the Holy Spirit. But here's the last thing I would say. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. This is, uh, you know, in verse 51 of, of Acts chapter 7, Stephen, this is kind of why the people are so mad, right? I don't know that they were so mad just about hearing the story of the Gospels, but Stephen, here's what he says in verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I, don't, I just don't want that to be us. I don't want us to be the people and the church and who resists the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to live the life that God is calling us to live. And I know we can only do so as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to share the gospel. I want to be able to do so boldly. And I know we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's live empowered lives by the Holy Spirit. Because here's really what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in you. We have right now today what the Old Testament saints could literally only dream of. Remember how God has been present with his people. God has been present with his people. He was with Adam and Eve, physically with Adam and Eve. That lasted a whole three chapters. Then he was, he was with his people, but it was with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Then he was with his people, but only Moses could go in. He was in the tent of meeting. And then he was with his people, but only the, the, the priests could go in because it was in the temple. And then he was with his people, but it was in Jesus. And there was only, you know, 12 people who were with him each and every day. But now here's what we have. We have the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, who is literally in you. You have direct access to the presence of God right here, right now. The presence of God is in you. Can you imagine? We read in the book of Exodus as, as Moses goes into the tent of meeting and everybody stands at their own tent and they begin to worship at the, at the entrance to their own tent. Those people are worshiping because they know that Moses is in the presence of God. You can imagine them just, just dreaming and just hoping and their desire to just be with God. And what we have today is what they're hoping for. We have the presence of God in each and every one of us. But here's the thing. A lot of times we just don't lean into it. A lot of times we don't necessarily even think about it. We don't, know, we don't think about just how special it is and how important it is that you and I have the presence of God in us each and every day. I, I, again, I want to encourage you. Live empowered lives by the Holy Spirit. 
Live by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. This week, as you go forward, I want you to just think about how the Holy Spirit is active in your own life. Maybe even take some notes if you need to. This is how I saw the Holy Spirit in my life today. This is, this is where I saw the Holy Spirit. I reacted in this way, and I know that I could only react that way because of the Holy Spirit. Or I said this, and I know that I could only say this because I wanted to say this, but I didn't because the Holy Spirit guided and directed me to say this instead. I just encourage you to just be thinking about the Holy Spirit's role in your life and how he is active in your life this week. And as we continue this series, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is is essential, essential to the church and essential to the mission that God has sent his people on. And we'll continue to see the presence of the Holy Spirit throughout the rest of the New Testament. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But let's, let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do in our lives. God, we are just thankful for the presence of God, thank you, thankful for the, the presence that you have just in our own lives through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would be mindful of the Holy Spirit this week. I pray that you would just kind of show us and guide us and direct us to, to, to see the Holy Spirit and to know where he is alive and active in our own lives. God, I just pray that you would just reveal to us in the ways in which the, the Holy Spirit is guiding us. Would you reveal to us the opportunities that you're giving us to share the gospel and to do it boldly through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, would you just be with us this week? God, I just I thank you for all that you are doing and all that you have done in our lives. God, we are excited to continue this series and to continue to see your presence made known throughout the church and throughout the rest of the New Testament. And God, I'm looking forward to the rest of this series as well. God, would you go ahead of us this week? Be with us as we go, and would we just be empowered by you this week? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, would you, uh, would you stand with me this morning as we go and uh, just, it might be awkward, but just hold your hands out and just receive a blessing from God this morning. We leave every service just with a blessing from God. And may our God, God of grace and truth, may our God empower you this week through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And may that power give you the courage to share the gospel and to do so boldly. May that power give you the courage to, to walk in the will of God this week. And may you make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in grace and go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.